Look, if you had one shot or one opportunity to seize everything you ever wanted in one moment, would you capture it or would you let it slip? Yo, his palms are sweaty, knees, weak arms are heavy. There's vomit on his sweater already. Mom's spaghetti. He's nervous, but on the surface, he looked calm and ready to drop bombs. Oh. Izzy. Izzy, Izzy, Izzy. Welcome to the Sport Detention Podcast. Let's get into it, ladies and gentlemen. Greg, how you going, mate? How's your week been? Yeah, good, mate. What about yourself? Oh, mate, it's been cracking. Easter. How good is Easter? Easter, holidays, mate, it's all happening. Plenty of chocolate for you? Uh, yeah, plenty of chocolate. Um, we're trying to really ration it for the children, which is probably the, the wise choice, but uh, yeah, I've, I've dabbled. Yeah, I've, I've dabbled. I've certainly had my share. Always do. Can't help myself. Love my chockey. Absolutely, mate. So, um, the sports detention, mate. What has been happening in the world around you, mate? Oh, what's caught my eye? Well, what has caught it? What has caught my eye? Timber! Mate, you couldn't be referring to the trees falling out of the sky at Augusta, my friend. Oh, what else could I be referring to? Three trees. Augusta National. The highlight of the weekend. Well, Johnny Rambo might not suggest that that, oh, yeah. that was the highlight, but... Certainly something that was pretty spectacular. The weather was so bad they had to abandon play on day two and three and catch up the next day. So a really weird tournament, a really weird Masters. But yep. at the end of the day, Johnny Rambo. The the fact that nobody, and we had it up on the social media page at Sports Detention, so both on Twitter and Instagram, the fact that nobody was hurt with those trees falling over was unbelievable. It's a miracle. It is an absolute like, miracle. That you see, so some hurt. poor old duck running away with her umbrella, just scattering left, right, and centre. I mean, yeah, I, yeah, I can't believe it. But um, yeah, very, very lucky. Yeah. Well, the other thing that caught my eye was um, in the NRL and Tommy Turbo uh, getting some turbs pain-killing injections at halftime. Uh, and I was first of all worried because you know he's had an extensive history with hamstrings. Yep. And I thought, oh, lower back pain, hamstrings, it's never too far so away. So are, are you referring to the injury that occurred slipping in the shower? Well, slipping in the shower. I mean, <laughs> some have suggested that there was a race that went on down... Down the Corso. Down the Corso. Down the Corso. So where he, he engaged in a sprint race against a punter down the Corso. And he didn't even win. No, I mean, that's a, that's a feather in your cap if you're that bloke. I'd be Walk, climbing that to this yeah, day. Walking out of the pub and beating Tommy Turbo in a foot race. But he's he's had these pain-killing injections at halftime, which seemed to have worked fantastic. And yeah. it, it made me think about the um, moral uh, and ethical dilemma that some people have thought, is it within the best interest of players? You've seen it on social media in the past. For them to have injections and go out there with that pain blunted and, and go on and play. And mm. My opinion is... Is as long as the injection wasn't administered by Brett Stewart, there's no problem. <laughs> oh, bringing it back to another manly fullback who we'll talk about a bit further into the episode, mate. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah, couldn't agree more this time of the season. You know, it's a, it's a bit of a different scenario if you're in the back end of the season. You think back to uh, Dylan Edwards, 
two years ago when he played through all the foot pain, uh, broken foot mm. in the final series and got through it. Yeah, in that situation, you're going to needle up, absolutely. But this early in the season, it's a, it's a bit of a concern and hopefully it doesn't linger on for Tommy Turbo. And if we're being quite frank, by half-time, the game was just about done, wasn't it? Yeah. Penrith were all over him. Absolutely. And we've got to keep him fresh for origin. We do. If, we he's, do. if he's fresh for origin, after that, I mean, he can, just have, the rest, he can have the rest of the year off. I don't care if he's no good for round 20 onwards, but <laughs> up until origin... Not. Oh, what's caught your eye, Gregor? Mate, um, obviously I've been doing a bit of work on our social media thread, so if you want to get uh, any of the inside information on just us in general, at Sports Detention is where you get us. But, um, you know, I've really got to give a shout-out to, you know, a group who has turned out to be our biggest fan, the bots. The bots. Let's hear it for the bots. <laughs> Mate, the bots have really got around the Sports Detention, and I've been getting uh, all sorts of friend requests, um, which I'm, I'm really excited about. Um some pretty unusual names. I mean, cinnamon and champagne has come up a fair bit. Um, you know, the profile pictures are a bit risque, which you know I try to try to avoid. But uh, yeah, you know, we're we're happy for any love that we can get here at the Sports Detention, and and you know, it'd be it'd be a miss of me not to not shout out the bots. Yeah, thank you, bots. Absolutely. Um, also, too, just a bit of feedback around the traps. Um, some really good feedback, actually. We're being referred to. As the doozra of sports reporting. The doozra? The doozra. So the wrongen. The wrongen. The wrongen. The one that goes the other way. Morally. Yeah, absolutely. So I thought that was a, you know, I was pretty chuffed with that uh, feedback. You know, I'm happy to be known as the doozra of uh, sport reporting because we're not journalists. We are we're, journalists. We're the furthest things from it. We're, we're super unqualified. So uh, yeah, being referred to as the doozra of sports reporters. I'll take that. Mate, I've, I've got, I'm absolutely loaded here. The biggest one for me, um, and for many of the listeners, or you know, probably unaware, when you know, we we are educators. You know, that is our craft. We don't get paid full time for this. You know, if we were, if this was our full time profession, our kids would be starving. They would be, be in all sorts. <laughs> um, staff development days, mate. We're educators. Staff development days on the last day of term. They're aching to torture, mate. Oh. Oh. mate. There's there's no other way to describe it, but staff development days, after a big term, kids get the day off and you drag the staff in for six more hours of punishment. What do you think, mate? Oh, I think you've hit the nail on the head. It is, it is a slog. It is a, it's a bludger of a day, isn't it? It's just, it's... You know, professional development is important in any industry. Oh, of course. Let, let alone education, especially when you you know you're guiding the future of young individuals, even though they can't see that. But I would suggest that the time could be better spent having a day off. Having a day off. I would also suggest, mate, staff development days on the last day of term are so bad. They're so on the nose that if a street thug was locked up for 15 years and they offered him a freedom under the provision that he attended an end of staff, end of term staff development day, he'd ask for an extra five years. <laughs> Another five years in the bin. Another five years. He'd say, look, take me to solitary. 23 hours I'm lockdown. Not, I'm not going to this staff development day on the last day of term. Oh. You're going to get nothing out of me. Wow. And... Julian Assange, mate. Julian, yep. 
Ecuadorian Embassy. Ran into some trouble. Ecuadorian Embassy or Staff Development Day. He's staying in his quarters in the Ecuadorian Embassy, mate. He's not coming out for a Staff Development Day. No um, chance. Tommy Dearden. Tommy Dearden. Ruptured testicle or Staff Development oh, Day. Oh, that's got a sting. I think he's taking the ruptured testicle, to be honest. <laughs> oh. um, another one, mate. This is, mate, so speaking about uh, holidays, the Easter break, it's really important that we're, you know, obviously safe during the Easter break. Um, and obviously a lot of families travel during this time. The New South Wales Police Commander coming out of the uh, the Hunter region, I believe, uh, on the NBN News, so the Channel 9 News for our, our Sydney listeners, they had a warning about driving. They came out and they, you know, spoke to the public and, and put out a plea that uh, we all drive safe. Do you know the name of the... Uh, commander of the Hunter region. I'm not sure. What is his name? He. It's a she. She. Sorry. Tracy Chapman. Tracy. Tracy Chapman talking about fast cars. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> this is, if that is not the most ironic thing we'll hear all year, <laughs> Tracy Chapman on the news talking about everybody driving in fast cars over the holiday period. Oh, that is an all-timer. But the holiday period, mate, I did the lawns on Saturday. How good is doing the lawns before a public holiday Sunday or a big Sunday, whether it be Christmas, Easter, you know, how good is just having the lawns done, having everything out of the way and you can just really let your hair down and relax on that day? It is, it is the best. You get to sit back, admire what you've done, cold brew of your choice. And it's just that sense of accomplishment yes. leading into such a special time of year, as you say. The big weekends, like your Easter, your Easter long weekend, your Chrissy, hmm. a real sense of achievement. I mean, I remember being a kid and having to do those jobs, you know, in preparation and being forced to do, you know, the lawns or whatnot just before Christmas, Easter and the like. And, you know, I'd carry on like I was having a catheter removed. Oh. You know, I'd, I'd be off it. But, you know, as an adult, there's, there's just, there's no better accomplishment no. than having all the housework done before a big day. Mate, couldn't agree more. Um, another thing, mate, the Pitch Invader on Brown Cardigan. Did you catch that one? No, I didn't catch the Pitch Invader. So we had it shared up on our, on our social media page. So there's this fellow who's, you know, he's a Pitch Invader, but he's a discreet Pitch Invader. Discreet Pitch So you'll have to get on to Brown Cardigan and check this one out. This fella, during the Roosters Storm game, rather than running on with gusto like most Pitch Invaders do, he's done the old slick... Sneak the leg over the fence, and he's ducked in with the commentary team. And he's just hanging around the film crew. He was vaping as well. Vaping as well. Just having a vape. Did Cameron Munster come up and pinch a drag? Well, I mean, he, he was hot property with the with the players afterwards. That's for sure. But yeah, he was just relaxing and chilling out on the field, just moseying around. You know, looking like he was you know nobody's business, which was had me thinking, mate. The discreet pitch invader is that the way to go? I think it is the way to go. Haven't we had some history around this? Wasn't there um, somebody around, oh, must be 15, 20 years ago now, who oh, I think he might have ducked on with me and you and, and, and put the full kit on and Absolutely. ducked on with a, with a team photo at that's the end a, of the game. Mate, that's a research topic for next week. Is that Palooka, he came out, he went out for the England, he faced up 
for the England cricket team as well, and then took a phone uh, took a phone call. So oh. I'll have to I'll have to, and then he ended up uh, with his mate on Wimbledon with black socks because oh. that's a big no no on the grass courts of Wimbledon. But yeah, well that's a research task for next week that one. But uh, yeah, so the discreet pitch invader, and at the end of the day, he wasn't wrist locked and thrown out of there like he'd, he'd been carried on at a nightclub. He was just asked. He was him. just asked, mate, just can you get back over the other side of the fence? He got a handshake with Billy Slater. Oh. Yeah, mate, it was, it was an absolute win for the pitch invader on uh, Thursday night. So uh, that, that was um, another thing that caught my eye. But uh, the final thing that we need to discuss before we get into the heavy hitting stuff, mate, is our first Twitter poll. So we discussed in our hard-hitting Twitter poll. Absolutely, we discussed in our first podcast about Rafael Nadal, and the question was posed via Twitter: Who is the real king of clay? Because he's known as the king of clay, Rafa. Yeah, he's very, very successful on the on the clay surface. But I would suggest that Patrick Swayze was more successful on the clay. Well, I mean, might suggest he was. I mean, that scene was just. I mean, it, it is Hollywood royalty. Oh, bit of unchained melody. <laughs> so I put it out there to the punters: Patrick Swayze or Rafael Nadal, and we've had a draw. A draw. The well, the 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 punters they're they're split. They're split. You know why? Why, mate? Nobody voted. Nobody voted. <laughs> Nobody voted. So if we put a poll out there on Twitter, guys, can you please vote? I mean, the bot community—we're massive with the bot community. We are. You know, we we would expect a few few bots. I mean, I don't know if the algorithm covers such things as Twitter polls, but, you know, we're just suggesting. And if you want to jump on um, on now, we'll, we'll reopen the poll. King of Clay, Patrick Swayze or Rafael Nadal. Get, Get your, your votes in. in. Get your votes Absolutely. in. Absolutely. Your vote could make the difference. Should we do some footy, mate? We should. We need to get into the footy. The rugby league final was a big Wembley occasion. Oh, get that in here! round hasn't it absolutely mate so your mighty panthers mate had a big win the other night yep didn't impress everyone though somebody seems to be unimpressed by penrith continuously well i mean are you talking about paul kent i'm talking about kenty <laughs> paul kent so well, I was going to touch on this just in general business because paul kent and and i'm going to make it short and sweet for kenny okay because I think it's a true quality to support your mates. And he's obviously really good mates with Ricky Stewart. Yep. There, there is no better quality than supporting your mates. And we've all got mates who act like a galah here or there. But usually we just give them a nudge and go, hey, mate, pull your head in. Come on. So if Paul Kent, by slinging mud at Penrith, is behind closed doors saying to Ricky, hey, Ricky, you got your, your deserves there, then I'm okay with it. But it doesn't appear as though he's doing that. No. So that, that's that's where I'm at with Paul Kent. But in terms of the uh, the match of the round, my match of the round was Manly Penrith. Yep. Um, I did say that we would get a good idea of where these two teams are at. Mm. And we did. Without I, a doubt. I, 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 that first half, I, I, can't, I, I couldn't have been further off the mark than that. I mean, Penrith were just a steam train. And running over the top of Manly, but 
you know, second half, Manly, Manly rallied, and I believe, what was it, 12-8 second half? Yeah, I, I, I kind of disagree. I think we did get a really strong representation of where both teams are at. I, I think Penrith have been very good and just maybe a fraction below their usual standard, but you could tell that a huge performance were coming. Their defence has always been strong. And, and Manly, I think their form line has been a little bit misguided. I think they've been leaking yeah. points, and I feel like They've they're... probably got some good wins over some sides that, you know, in hindsight, you go, oh, well, they probably should have beat them. I think if you're sitting in a Manly dressing shed at the moment and um, Anthony Seabold's managed to pick himself off the McDonald's floor and get in there and have a chat, <laughs> <laughs> he's... um. He's saying, guys, this is where we're at. This is where we're yeah. at at the moment. That is the standard, and we aren't able to go with that standard at the moment. And concerning with the injuries that, that oh. have piled up, especially with with uh, Tommy Turbo. I mean, he's so important to what they do there. And you can understand why you would build a team around a player like that because uh, he's just that influential. But... Uh, they're really going to have to um, knuckle down on their defence. A few years ago when they were very, very good, when Tommy was on fire, they were brilliant against everyone except for a top four quality team. And I fear that that may be the same at this stage for Manly. So I think we did actually get a really good indication of where both teams are at. So for the for the punters, we're, um, before we go into your match of the round, mate, yep. we're, we're recording early this week. Okay, we've got, um, you know, you've got a camping trip. Coming up, got a camping so, trip. So we, we got in early, so we'll we'll still we'll still drop Wednesday. You've just come in here on the back end of oh. a, a very very hairy match of the round for yourself. I mean, you talked me in, yeah. or you tried to convince me. We'll say we'll put it that way. You tried to convince me that the Tigers were a chance, and I I thought you were, you know, blowing smoke. But they come good today. They played all right. The Tigers did play very well, so. Uh, it was an interesting game. Uh, Parramatta came out and uh, were under the pump early on, and the Tigers weren't able to capitalise. And to be honest with you, in the first half, you were watching the Tigers attack, particularly the Tigers attack in the um, uh, in the red zone, like in the twenty metres, and it just looked oh, diabolical. It was yeah. absolutely terrible. It was shift to one side, shift back to the other. And then, um, so that, par- that that can occur when you continuously change your team. That's right. Yeah. That's but right. Anyway, you, I mean, well, that, I'm just throwing it out there. Yeah, a hundred percent. And they they looked clunky, and Parramatta didn't really look um, threatened so much. The only try that Tigers scored was a drop ball run against play, uh, and Parramatta were able to capitalise on um, some charging Tigers defence with some well placed kicks by Mitch Moses. Parramatta didn't play at their best but looked like they were going to do enough. Tigers came out in the second half and they were a team to be... They were a team that could cause a lot of other teams' problems. They mm. were running hard, charging through the middle. Charlie Staines and Johnny Bateman were the going Forbes off the Ferrari, back of that. The mate. Forbes Ferrari. The and they Forbes were Ferrari. causing all sorts of problems. Um, for Parramatta, I feel like it was less today about a bad... Uh, team performance and more about individuals missing their assignment. Yeah. I thought poor old Hayes Dunster came back and looked like he was, um, if I'm honest, a grade below. He missed some terrible one-on-one tackles. Mm. And um, that led to uh, tries from the Tigers. Uh, and um, But overall, it was a very good game of football. Parramatta got the win, which I was stoked about. But um, I feel like, um, did we learn a lot about both teams there? Probably not. Look, I, I think, to summarise it, the, the thing I learnt was the fact that I think the Tigers will get up next week. 
Yep. Who they? Oh well. Yeah. Now <laughs> they got the buy. They got the buy. <laughs> so. so I think I think with their performance today, they'll roll into next week pretty confident. Oh, shout out there to poor old Adam Dewey. There's no confirmation come through as to the injury yet, but it didn't look particularly good. He's gone up for a high ball and come down, and he nobody around. And um, let's hope it's meniscus or something like that. But yeah. um, we don't want to say those three uh, terrible letters. Oh yeah. But um. Yeah, all the best Adam Dewey out there, because I assume he's listening. Absolutely, yeah. I am a big fan of the show, Adam. Um, Storms were... Um, Melbourne Storm. I nearly had a stroke there. Uh, Melbourne Storm versus the Roosters, mate. Um, Thursday night, I I thought that, that was the... On paper, it looked like the marquee matchup. Um, Storm were good. Yep. I think they were just too good in the end. Radley's costly, costly simbin, mate. I, mm. You know... Trent Robinson must have been fuming. Oh. Absolutely. And it was just so dumb. It like was... it was, you know, I'm, I'm pretty easy going when it comes, as a, as a fan, I'm someone who, you know, loves a bit of, loves a bit of niggle, loves a, you know, a good two, two players challenging each other. But that one... Munster had passed the ball and you check in late, you know, that can be a bad injury. And it would just, you know, you've then gone in the bin and, and they've scored two tries on the back of it. It was so costly for the Roosters, so unnecessarily unnecessary for Radley. I love players who play hard like him. I really do. But that, that just wasn't the time for it. Yeah, it didn't sit well with me at all. It was a cheap shot. It was so late. And... You know, Cameron Munster, I'm sure, in many circumstances, gives as good as he gets. Oh, but that was just a, that was just a, how do you look at your mates in the sheds after yeah, the game and, sort of thing. That and was... you've cost them. You know, you, you've really cost your team there. And, and for what? You know, it, it was really, it made no difference. And I think Munster's one of those players that if you give it to him like that, he goes, oh, I've got you. Yep. You know, I'm under your skin because yeah. he's that type of player. You know, he's one of those players, and you know, for those who have played the game, where you look at him, you get, you grit your teeth, and you go, oh, "I'm going to give it to this bloke," and then he bounces off, and the next minute he's dancing down the field, and you go, "Ah, I'm back at the start." These um red line players, though, like your Victor Radleys, they sometimes miss the mark, don't they? Because it, it's a yeah. tough game, and a key part of it, especially as a middle forward, is asserting your dominance over the other team, mm. but. That's done with bravery. That's done with tenacity. And sometimes... Yeah, not stupidity, that's for sure. Yeah, sometimes they just miss the mark when these guys that red line a bit. Yeah, big point for me out of that match. I'll throw it to you, mate. Is Xavier Coates an example of why a good winger is priceless? There's a lot of talk, you know, often around contract negotiations, players who play on the wing. I know Addo Carr went to the Bulldogs and there was all almost this, oh, he wants to play fullback, he wants to do this. But, I mean, Xavier Coates' performance at time, his performances at times, but especially on Thursday, I was watching that game and going, that is a perfect example of why you need good wingers. Yep. You know, wingers, you know, once upon a time, I mean, that was just to fill numbers, the winger. That's right. That but, you know, he was, yeah, I mean, he... The way he gets up and down the field and the way he finishes off tries and the size, the body there, I mean, it, you know, it really, there's a changing dynamic in terms of the value of wingers in rugby league and, and I think players like him are, are the leaders of that. Yeah, I agree. I think over the last 10 years, wingers have become more important to a team than a centre. 
Yeah. So what's the point in giving these blokes and go, oh, we're giving you fullback money? Oh, no, we're giving you winger money. Because right. winger money, we need wingers who are going to get us on the front foot. That's right. You know, Brian Tuttle, he's massive, you know. Daniel Tupu's done it for 10 years. Absolutely. Like these guys who can get a set rolling just due to their post-contact metres. That's right. Well, know? yeah, Penrith is the perfect example uh, you look at their wingers, you look at the damage they do, you look at the spell that, that allows their front rollers in Absolutely, particular to yeah, have. so they get back, back. And that's why Penrith's line speed is so unbelievable. And Dylan Edwards has a lot to do with that as well. His um, craftiness and his strength and, and speed, evasiveness is just incredible as well. And someone who doesn't get spoken about m- much in that regard to who I, you know... He's a Queenslander, so I don't really like him, but I rate him. Kyle Felt. Like Kyle Felt is that player who's a winger. Probably looks like he's got the skills of a half. Yeah. You know, because he plays good eyes up football. Yeah. But he's just always stayed on the wing and he's done a job and he's been a very, very good professional out on the wing. Kyle Felt. Yeah. And he's worth uh, points every game because he scores tries that others can't. Makes good defensive reads. Yep. Does does everything a coach would need him to do. Mate, we better move on. The Dogs Rabbits. Um, what did you take on this game, mate? Well, the Dogs and Rabbits... Apart from your multi. Oh, did I say that aloud? Oh, the multi. I'll dig in Don't let me digress. But um, oh, the Souths were far too good. And that, that game made me start to think that perhaps the cream is starting to rise to the top yeah. in the NRL. Um, we've got Penrith with a very good win against a, a, a strong Manly team who weren't quite up for the occasion. The Bulldogs, who started the year uh, with a lot of new signings, won a few games, had a great win last week in Golden Point uh, against the Cowboys, weren't up to it. Melbourne, who was struggling three weeks ago, and we were talking about, is this the end? All of a sudden, a win against yeah, South back. Sydney, win against the Roosters. Yeah, it's changing. But, but, I mean, in fairness to the Dogs, I mean, they're limping. Absolutely limping. Like they got that man. So many injuries, and then obviously exacerbated further by you know injury to your be- you know one of your best, if not your best player. Yeah. You know, and your your biggest strike weapon out wide and at okay the that, box. They are, they are, and that's going to affect their combinations because there's no doubt that they haven't been able to um, produce the eye-catching sort of tries, set play sort of tries that others have. But they have similar to the West Tigers, they have struggled to put on familiar combinations all year because they've had uh, injuries. It's been in- injury-related, yeah. yeah. So Latrell and Campbell Graham both getting hat-tricks. That doesn't happen often. No, that doesn't happen. And I think Campbell Graham might have got all of his in the last 10 minutes, yeah. which was... Um, Did anybody else score? Uh, no. No, yeah. no more of the backs? Or no, no, no. Tane Milne didn't get over that. <laughs> <laughs> I was alluding to something. Cowboys-Dolphins, mate. Um, for me, it's it's a bit concerning for the Cowboys. Um you know, if they're going to compete with the top sides again this year, you know, they need to be winning their home games, especially against an injury-depleted outfit like the Dolphins. You know, the Dolphins, you know, they came up with new halves combination. You, you've got to be winning that one. Oh, 100%. And the Dolphins were... They, they were really busted last week in, 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 against the Dragons. The second half was pretty ordinary. Yeah. Um, the Cowboys have now lost two at home. They've lost... Um, to the Warriors and they've lost to now the Dolphins mm. and I think they got home by one point to Canberra in round one as well so yeah it's a, it's a you know a, you could say that they caught a lot of punters off 
guard last year with how they how they performed but I think we're sort of back in the pack now and we're really looking to what type of cowboys we're going to get and I mean your, your home games especially you know away teams traveling all the way up there to that new stadium I mean they're your bread and butter you've got to win those and their draw hasn't been particularly difficult compared to other teams draws for the first uh, five or six rounds and they are running into a little bit more of a challenging draw over the next six weeks so we'll mm. learn a little bit more about them we will uh, they will get some players back the injury and suspension has hurt them a little bit they have I had, suspect um, a few of their players might might come into consideration around origin time too so i mean that'll be another hurdle down the track that they need to be aware of sort of alluding to what you spoke about um, luke curry i heard him on um, fox the other day and he was talking about the fact that the cowboys caught everyone a little bit off guard last year but yeah. now they are the hunted people are going up there expecting a preliminary a preliminary finalist team yeah to come out of the shed and so the standard that they're bracing themselves for is a team that was one game short of a grand final. But n- now, they're not quite at that standard at the moment. But well done to the Dolphins. Don't want to take anything Mate, away absolutely, from them. Absolutely, yeah. I think the Dolphins are doing a great job this season in playing to their strengths. You know, and I, I think we've really, really got to, you know, give... Wayne. Due, yeah, you've got to, you got to, you got to pay that respect that they've, they've got a really strong forward pack, an experienced forward pack, and they're playing games through the middle. They're just playing tidy football through the middle just ticking through the sets Sean O'Sullivan that's where my concern was is Mm. because as a half that's what he's really really good at yeah you know even when he covered for Nathan Cleary in the past at Penrith he would just come in and do a job well just come in and just you know he would he's obviously or he appears as though he's probably a really really coachable half he's not you know he seems like a humble guy yeah, yeah absolutely he doesn't seem like one of these you know, players who's out there seeking superstardom. Yeah, he looks like he's someone out there seeking professionalism. Yeah, and you know, I was I was devastated for him when he copped that other injury um, yeah, last I think it was twelve week. weeks. Twelve oh, weeks. Peck, yeah. Um, but you know, the young half is a Katoa who. Um, yeah, um, I mean he's a he's a gun. I mean he's off to the All Blacks though apparently. Oh, okay, off to the All Blacks. <laughs> he made a couple of errors the that, other day. That was a good one. So I, I mean, I'll. I'll I'll go into that one just briefly. That so I'm I'm always leaving the door open to the All Blacks. That's like everyone who lives in New Zealand. Yeah. Everyone in New Zealand is leaving the door open for the All Blacks. That is the ultimate over there. So, I mean, the fact that they turned that into a headline and a big story was. I mean, I got a chuckle out of it. Yeah. Oh well, that's right. It's it's um pretty much anyone who's coming through who's a talent. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, that's if someone and it probably it's probably true like if someone come and knocked on his door and said hey all blacks want you that's that was his pinnacle but the hardest decision to make is well am i gonna get a game for the all blacks that's right because <laughs> they've been doing pretty well yeah, they're not bad i mean i i think they've got some talent yeah well um broncos raiders mate the milk the milk they went up to suncorp and mate gutsy display from Canberra and they they really needed it they did and uh, they played it exactly the way that um, you would expect a Canberra team who wins to, to win they went straight through the guts yep. their forwards were all about effort uh, Corey Horsburgh some of the tackles he made in desperation probably not the tackles you'd associate with a big middle as far yeah. as big hits but just last ditch dives 
was pretty spectacular. And Hudson Young yeah, doing. A, I mean, he's having a cracking season so far. He's and, a, and very good at the end of last year as well. He got a bit of the rubbish out of his game. I think that he was getting carried away with a few yeah, years ago. A, you know, he's it's one of those players where you know you you need him to harness it. Yep. Because it's such an asset for his game. But he seems to be doing that really well this year. He's yeah, you know, bringing aggression. I mean, he's he was scoring tries as well, which is a bonus. But. You know, he brings a lot to that forward pack. Yeah, and the Broncos weren't that bad. They probably weren't at the level that they were a little bit early in the season, but I felt like that loss was coming. Yeah, I didn't tip them because Jack White was out and... Um, so who, so well, the Broncos are pretty hard to tip against this, this At the so moment, far, certainly at Suncorp yeah. Stadium. I mean, I did have a big problem with it though, mate. The Broncos uniform. Broncos uniform. I mean... Oh, yep. I I'm mean, with you. The, the socks. What is doing with the socks? Like, I mean, Reese Walsh is walking around with... You know the, the grip socks? There's, oh, you see them. They pop up in the ads all the time on, on your social feeds. Like, apparently, these performance-enhancing grip socks. So what they do is they cut the sock halfway down, put these grip socks on, and then just roll their club sock over the top. Yeah, which is a bit of a knob act as it is. Well. But then on top of that, you've got Carrigan and Ricky, who are good players, who are wearing the short socks with the skins underneath. I mean, can we get a peer-reviewed study in here? Honestly. And investigate the differences between Body Science's compression garments and ASIC's socks, because I think you'll be surprised. What, what, what were the... the... Ten years ago, the mood bracelets. Oh, the the uh, the power bands. The power bands. Yeah, sorry, the balance yeah. bands. Yeah, the balance to, bands. to help you balance. Yeah, Benji came out with one of those, and then all the kids were buying them. Yep, for about a month, and then. Somebody I, I mean, I I, you know, you wouldn't get over that. You wouldn't get away with that in your under six of soccer. The referee be telling you, you need to change your socks. You know why? I mean, these palookas going around. Oh, let's let's wear the skins, and I I don't know whether it's a sponsorship deal, whether they. You know, they say, oh, well, look, just wear these and wear the short socks. Well, I'm telling you guys, as a sports scientist, compression, yeah, it's going to help. Yeah, it, there are some benefits to compression. However, the compression that ASICS is providing in your normal length socks and those body size garments, there probably ain't going to be much difference. All right, so just a word of advice. But anyway, that I was, I was on one uh, watching that the other night. Well, I was... Um pretty furious watching that game the other night as well should we go into that now or um uh later on um go into it now let's do it let's do it i mean we might we we yeah we might be in for one. Oh, all right disclaimer you're not talking yeah. about the kapow oh honestly i was raging i was absolutely blowing my lid for those of you who watch the game, you immediately know what I'm talking about. For those of you who don't, poor old Jordan Rappiner. He has uh, caught a ball um, from, a, from a bomb. Marty Tapao sprinting through, trying to put pressure on. Yep. And Jordan Rappiner has dropped to his knees in an effort to um, get to the ground so he doesn't get smashed, so he doesn't he just, risk losing he just the ball. Re- retain the ball. There's two, I think mean, there's two wanted, minutes to go. Yeah. And as a result, he has basically dived into Mount Marty to Powell's knee. Yeah. And it's split him open there with blood everywhere. It's not good. No. 
it wasn't a great look, and I hope Jordan Ruffinar is all right. Not his fault whatsoever. But do you know who else's fault it was not? Marty Tapao's. It wasn't Marty Tapao's fault. So you're saying that Marty Tapao, who's an explosive athlete, jump on his Instagram, on his social medias, he's, he can power lift that fella. That bloke can power lift. He's explosive, and he's moving at full pelt to try and shut down Jordan Rabiner. Are you saying that he shouldn't just stop? I'm saying that he shouldn't just stop. <laughs> Are you suggesting that he can't just stop? I'm suggesting that he can't just stop. And it wasn't his fault. And we are playing. Not we. They are playing. They are playing. Yeah. <laughs> they are playing. I'm oh, watching. We'd, we'd be in trouble. Oh, I'd be in all sorts. Um, a contact sport yeah. where there is always going to be a level of danger. And that was a complete accident. We cannot start. Oh, sorry. Start. We already have. We cannot continue to penalise accidents. Yeah. Now, oh. let's talk about what. what is this born from? Where is this... Where does this come from? Look, let's just pause that and we'll get into it. Yeah, take a deep breath. So from experience, that's happened to me. I, I played a bit of fullback back in the day and I was playing a bit of bush footy and I've come in to collect a ball and I've copped the knee to the top of the head. I've ended up in ED that night. Um, the Apprentice was triaging that night and stitched me up. An absolute bludger of job. If I go bald... I'm in all sorts because it looks like female genitalia on the top of my head. The way this bloke has stitched me up, it is a. It is. A Are we sh- talking about? Um, it Mick, is a Mick shock- in origin sort it of. It is a shocking job, absolute shocking job. But what made matters worse was before that, the first aid kit supplies were so low that the only thing to stem the bleeding, and I don't know why the trainer had this in his pouch, but he had a female sanitary pad. (laughs) So they put the female sanitary, so the old Libra with wings, on the top of me sconed, strapped it around me chin to stem the bleeding, and then just thrown an old second-hand headgear out of the kit on me head. Oh, they've sent you back on. So I've gone back on that. This is pre-HIA days, okay, and bush footy nonetheless. So anyway, I, I know how it feels, but was there any, you know, fault for the fellow who was chasing through and caught me with a knee? Absolutely not. It was just one of those things. And I was attacking the ball and trying to collect the ball because it was important. I needed to get possession. So these things happen. So why why do you penalise a team? Why do you suspend a player? Why do you fine a player? What are you, what are you trying to well, get out haven't. of that? That's that's the thing. No, no, no. But they, they did penalise him. They penalised him, yeah, which, yeah. which, so and the Broncos the didn't deserve to win the game, but that took away their chance to win the game. Yeah. So the penalty was quite significant. So why do you penalise someone, whether it be a suspension or um, a um, or a penalty or a sin bin? So let, let, let's roll with it then, okay? Yeah. Because we're, if if we're going to go down there, let's. I, I was watching the uh, Matty John show, and they were talking about the hip drop tackle. Yep. And they had, um, I believe, it was Sean O'Sullivan and Toby Rudolph on last night. And they were talking about it, and there was a comment made where there's an idea of duty of care around it and the fact that you cannot have accidents, which for me is an absolute cop-out. You can't say that. How, you know, and I, th- I don't know whether, and to be fair to those players, I don't know whether that was on the back of the fact that, you know, if you go out on on Fox Sports and you start saying, oh, well, you know, accidents happen, it shouldn't be, whether you cop any any curry from the NRL, whether they don't like that because you're essentially speaking out against them. 
So I don't know whether that's why they've taken that line. But the presumption that every action is guilty regardless of the circumstances, if that is how we're going to continue, there are going to be fans fuming after every single game. Exactly. And the fact that Marty Tapao was then immediately after the game cleared by the Match Review Committee, it's like, well, hold on a second. If he's cleared, you've deemed that there was no foul play. Why is it a penalty? Exactly right. It never was a penalty. Absolutely. And so you've basically, instead of actually coming out and go, we got that one wrong, it shouldn't have been a penalty. Canberra should have been given, Rapana should have been given the opportunity to be treated because it was a serious injury and then after it, it should have been a play to ball. Yeah, 100%. That, that's what it should have been. But the reason you give a penalty is for a deterrent so that the players don't do that again so that somebody doesn't get hurt again. Is Marty Tapao going to change the way he chases a, a kick now in case that happens again? Is any other player... Well, you would hope the, not, but there's a possibility. Is there any other player... In, oh, I don't think so. I think they're just going to continue on. They're just going to continue on doing that because that's not a penalty. Yeah. And, and they got it wrong. And it's the same with the hip drops because we had that ridiculous one in the Bulldogs game with the hip drop where it was an attempt at a, a one-on-one strip using his body as leverage. Yeah. And then it was called a hip drop because the player was caught on the ankle and rolled their ankle. Yeah. You know, which is just rubbish. But let's settle hip drops. Because there was another one where uh, Jake Clifford, I believe, in the UK Super League. Yeah, he was one. Yeah, he was caught with a hip drop as well. The player was sinbin. Then, after the fact, was found not guilty. Oh, well, it, no, it wasn't a hip drop. It was, you know, just an unfortunate circumstance. So another one got the penalty, got the sin bin, and then the, oh, no, it was okay. You know, the reason hip drops occur is because players cannot shift to the ankles. We are always taught when you were a junior, if you are tackling from behind, you tackle around the hips and you slide down, tying up the ankles, and you will always make an effective tackle. In the NRL, you cannot do that. You can't do it. Because you lose the ruck. There is no reward for There a, is absolutely a no reward. If you want to get rid of the hip drop tackle, NRL, I know you're listening. You know, you're a big fan of ours, just like the bots. Just if like you want to get rid of the, he- the hip drop tackle, allow an ankles tackle, a dominant, as dominant, and the, fur- the player around the ankles to move to first marker. Yep. And Any- the hip drop will be gone. Anything below the, anything below the hips? First contact, and that is a uh, the the player who makes that tackle a tackle is allowed to move to marker. Yep, absolutely. Yep. So you would eradicate hip drop tackles, but the problem with that is they'll go, oh yeah, but it'll slow the game down. That's right. So, so then you're basically going, well, hold on a second. It's not us as the fans being unreasonable. Yeah. Of the fact that we don't care about the player safety, it's you trying to protect your product and the speed of your product whilst pretending that you care about safety. Yeah, trying to have the cake and eat it. Absolutely. They want to keep the speed up of the game. They have decided, oh, instead of um, bringing back the legs tackle, we're going to um, we're going to penalise and fine all these players, generate a bit more revenue even. And players, well, to me, that doesn't sound like player safety is paramount. No, I mean, it's, it's smoke and mirrors. You've yeah. got to, you, you know, a lot of it is, well, what can look and appear as though the best case scenario for us and that decision is about it's not about players or 
or administrators who actually understand the game and uh, have played, you know, week in, week out, that are making the decisions going, this is probably what's best. Yeah. You know, it's just, oh, this, yeah, this sounds like this is what we're going to do. Let's make a decision. And then it just turns into an absolute shit show. It does. Nightmare. Yep. So, mate, we've um, we've gone off the off the mark there, but Titans-Dragons, big win for the Tigers. Uh, Titans, sorry. Uh, Jaden Campbell, he was a real standout for me, mate. Um, I thought he was great. Yeah. He, makeshift halves, they stepped up. Yep. Um, that was a really good game. Um, thought the Dragons were going to get it uh, at the death there. Ben Hunt scored a try. I think perhaps um, the Dragons, his, his fellow players, have to take a little bit of responsibility because they didn't allow him to do his traditional post-try celebration where he belts the ball into the crowd. And yeah. that was clearly a bad omen and they went on to lose the game. I mean, that's that just shows that the... the the team camaraderie is obviously a big issue down at the Well, yeah. If you're not going to let your teammate engage in his traditional post-try celebration, that's a problem. Could you imagine Piggy Riddell oh. running to the grandstand and Jason Rolls grabbing him by the collar and saying, hey, mate, give me a cuddle. Yeah, Luke Bailey saying, no, mate, no, mate, we're not all getting in there. Get back here, give us a cuddle. Can, big, big issues at the Dragons. Huge. But great uh, game. Yep, I agree with you, Campbell. He was a standout. Uh, it, it'll be interesting for him because they're, um, he doesn't appear to be in their top flight spine. So it'll be interesting to see. Cause I, I, he was good, though. Like, yeah. you know, I mean, I know you've mentioned him about sort of other clubs might be snooping around and I, I'm sort of big raps on Dane Laurie. But, yeah, I thought he was good. Yeah, I, I, I think so. It just so's... Um, um, uh, Who's their fullback? He's out at Brimo. Brimo. Brim, he's he's yeah. very good as well. Probably a little bit more consistent at this stage. Yep. But Jade Campbell is actually 23 now, so he's not as young as I, uh, I thought he was. So yeah. I think he's um, time that he saw a bit more regular first grade. And whether that's at the Titans or whether he moves on, yep. that'd be interesting. They would put the kiss of death, the sports detention kiss of death on the Warriors, mate. The Warriors. So if Newcastle want to feature in the finals football... In my opinion, they need to be making Marathon Stadium a fortress. Yeah. The way it used to be, um, and we're talking 20 years ago now when Joey Johns was running the show. When it was called Marathon Stadium. That's right. That's Absolutely. right. So, uh, big win at home for the Knights, but um, I think Braley's injury will be a bit of concern. Yeah, and I, he's another one who I feel for. He's had a, um, a really rough trot over the last few years with injuries as well. Uh, but Dominic Young was very good. Do you know who I've been really impressed with is Lockie Miller? He's been yep. exceptional since he's moved up Absolutely. there. And we saw some really um, bright sparks. He's an Olympian um, for him, but making the transfer. Regular NRL, mate. Yeah, regular NRL. But he, good. he's come straight in and he looks every bit the first grader. And um, I think he's going to have a few years up in Newcastle. Yeah. And he's going to do I, really well there. He's a player who I believe at this current time, looking at you go, you've found your spot. Yep, you know, you I found so. a club who needed a one. If yep. they were going to persist with Ponga going to six, Ponga's been out injured nonetheless. But there was a, a position there, and, you know, seeing players go and take those opportunities with two hands is fantastic. be interesting to see, because the Knights uh, haven't done too badly while KP's been out. Like, their performances have been quite good, I think, for, for the majority of it. It'll be interesting yep. to see whether this is a blessing in disguise for them when he comes back in and gets a bit of regular football. Often yep. when you've got a player like of his... Caliber, yeah. As soon as things get a bit tough, you just look straight to him. Yeah. Maybe they're becoming more of a well-rounded team. Yeah. I mean, watch this space. 
So next round, mate, we've got the Dolphins, Rabbits, Sharks, Roosters. The Battle of Brookie, Manly and the Storm, repeated. Warriors, Cowboys, Knights, Panthers, Titans, Broncos, Raiders versus Dragons. Eels versus Bulldogs and the Tigers with a big uh, four-pointer. So a relegation battle against the bye. Well, and I think they should just get up, as you said. I hope so. Um, what's your match of the round for next week, mate? Oh, I couldn't go past the Battle of Brookvale. Um, yep. What what scenes going back 10 or 11 years ago now where Glenn Stewart and um, Adam Blair had a dust-up on the field and then a dust-up the on the way to the Sydney. Oh, then Brett Stewart came sprinting over um, uh, to get... Um, that was before the coward punch rule. Yeah, that's right. Because he would have been in trouble. Well, he would have been in a lot of trouble back then. Absolutely. Oh, now, sorry, should I say. But, um, you know, um, Melbourne are back and they're off to Brookvale. I think after last week, Manly will be stinging. I think we're in for a hell of a performance. I'm tipping turbo to fire. Hopefully, uh, yeah, double injections. Mm, double injections. Get him going. Uh, mate, for me... Uh, my match of the round is going to be the Sharks Roosters. I think uh, they're both coming in with really, really good form. Um, you know, the Sharks with Nico back, they're looking good. Um, and, you know, I'm always looking for those matches where I, I think teams are going to actually tell me something about them, yep. as we've seen in the last couple of weeks. And I think this will be a really, really good match. If the Roosters are going to be competitive this year, I need to see how they're going to bounce back from a disappointing loss against Melbourne. So, yep. And I think the Sharks, after their effort against the Warriors, you know, then they've come back, Nico's back. You know, I, I, I think it's going to be a good battle. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and you're right, the, the form line that the Roosters have shown so far this year is not untypical of a Roosters team under Trent Robertson. They usually don't start the season on fire, yeah. but they don't... Slow starters. But they don't often cop a bad performance, like they an ordinary performance, like they did against Melbourne, yeah. and then not fire back straight away. So I'll be interested to see how that goes from. Excellent, mate. So that's the that's the wrap for the footy. Um, Fantastic. Mate, it's been big. A lot of talking points there. So we're going to move on to stream of the week, mate. So we, we changed it up this week. We decided to just... Flick the old the old text to each other and go look, mate, new doco on Netflix. Should we check it out and just review it on the on the show? So we've gone through Caught Out, Crime, Corruption, and Cricket. It's a new documentary that's dropped on on Netflix. Um, what was your take, mate? Crime, Corruption, and Cricket. Give us a bit of a bit of an overview for the punters. Yeah, so it explored um, corruption in cricket. Um, over the latter part of the 90s and into the early 2000s. And um, so uh, it, it basically explored uh, illegal bookies because um, I'm correct in saying gambling's illegal over in, Ga in yeah, India. Yeah, so, so bookmaking and gambling bookmaking. is illegal in India, yep. Yep. And um, uh, it basically explored how uh, bookmakers were contacting um, players and trying to... Um, well, it originally appeared to be starting out as uh, just trying to get information about the pitch and match conditions and eventually evolved into um, uh, actual match fixing where yeah. certain players were offered money where they were... Um, so it's big money. Big money. Big money involved, big money. Yeah. And obviously, um, the biggest story back then for any cricket fans out there will remember South African... Uh, cricket captain Hansi Kroenke. Did, did you just drop a, a South African accent there when you said it? Oh, mate, no. <laughs> sorry, sorry to stop you there, mate, but that was that was beautiful. That beautiful. Was... I'll tell you what. I I wish I did it deliberately because <laughs> South <the> African. <laughs> sorry, mate. Because um, 
I uh, certainly don't have uh, an accent in my skill set, but um, I might listen to that on replay, and if I have it, I'm chucking that one on the resume. Absolutely. Certainly, um, hope, hope it was better than um, Leonardo DiCaprio's effort in Blood Diamond. When oh, mate. Oh, <laughs> oh, yuck. And another one, mate, if, you, if any of the punters are out there looking to go down a rabbit hole in on youtube uh joey barton's french is a good one joey barton <laughs> from the football his french is a is a ripper and steve mclaren's dutch oh. right? so if you want to if you want to have a laugh mate joey barton's french steve mclaren's dutch and one more for you david moyers spanish spanish yeah um so uh sorry getting back to the um the, back to the job at end back to the review um, yeah, so that was the, obviously the, um, I suppose, um, climactic point of the series where they're talking about Hansi Cronier and how he was involved and the other South African cricketers who were also involved to a lesser degree. And um, I found it quite interesting and I think all cricket fans out there would have found yeah. it very interesting. So when I was watching, I was like, it, it wasn't... You know, a mind-blowing doco. You know, no. where you get those, you know, like the Armstrong lie, something like that, where you just go, kind of, oh, far out, what's going on here? It wasn't, for me, it was, um, you know, obviously match-fixing has always been pretty big news in our lifetime uh, coming out of India. But, um, you know, it was really, really interesting The when it looked at Han- Hansi Cronier, when you look at the money that was involved, and you go, I... I which is, might be a good thing. I'm going, I, I'd struggle to see how that would come off now. You know, yeah. the players are so well paid. Yeah. You know, the bookies would obviously try everything to, to continue the dark arts. That's yep. what they do. But I, I'd really struggle to see how, you know, the, whether a, you know, a player just wouldn't be worth it for them now to, to that risk. And, and you think back to John the bookmaker with uh, Warney and, and uh, Mark, Mark Wall, Wall, like... You know, those little things were just weather information and this, that and the other. But, you know, the money that was offered there, they'd probably go, oh, yeah, that's, that's you know, that's going to help. Yeah. You know, whereas now the players are on, you know, multi-millions for, for a couple of weeks' work. I don't, I don't know whether, yeah, it's it's as enticing as it once would have been. Yeah. Um, I, I tend to agree. There were some interesting uh, points they uh, brought up. They talked about um, uh, Keppel Dev and his... Uh, apparent involvement in it. Yeah, mate. I've yeah. I've got sceptical hippo eyes about that, mate. Yeah. I I so I'll let you keep going, mate. Well, and um, you know, there was never any uh, hard evidence that was found um, uh, that would indicate Capaldev, who was uh, a former Indian captain and a fantastic player, national hero, national hero, national hero. One point uh, four billion people in that country too, so a national hero shouldn't be taken lightly. No, cer- certainly not. And um, yeah, yeah, that that sort of just nothing really ever came of that. And even the documentary got a little bit yeah. thin as far as that was sort of concerned. So it was almost felt to me like it was. Uh, we don't know because absolutely nobody. We don't. I out. I felt as a, it's a we don't want to know. Yeah, we because don't. Because if okay. if because they sort of mentioned at the end of it, they go, oh, well, you know, if Capel Dev was involved, it would have absolutely broken the country in half. It's yeah. Like, we found out he's involved. We better keep it quiet. Yeah. Because we don't want this country to break. You no. know, it could be, and that's conspiracy. I've got I've got the tinfoil hat on. Yeah. I've got the tinfoil hat on to that one. <laughs> but um the thing that I, I was interested about in that docker mate was the CBI. 
you know, the the essentially the FBI or the Bureau of Investigation for the Central Bureau of Investigation for India. I'm thinking straight away, and I love my sort of espionage movies and, and TV shows and all that. I'm thinking 1.4 billion people, what type of organisation is that CBI? Oh. How, do you, how do you keep on top of it? Yeah, well, I'm not sure that they can, but yeah, it's... um. Yeah, it was pretty pretty interesting. So, so Muhammad Azaruddin was the the captain at the time. He sort of went down in a blaze of glory around it. He was found guilty, then found not guilty on appeal, which seemed like a bit of a yeah, like you don't know who's coming or going. So it was it was pretty intricate. He's a politician now, I think. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I mean, so he's found he's found his feet in in an industry that um, yeah yeah. I mean, deviance is is welcome. Um. But Kapildev, so what left me wondering is the statement in it that despite claims against Kapildev, no no evidence could match it. Despite the claims of testimony against him, no evidence could match it. That, for me, grab your tinfoil hats, ladies and gentlemen. I'm thinking he was well and truly possibly involved, but it was like, let's try and not find any evidence. But anyway... He's he's been clean bold, but they've ruled it a no ball. Absolutely, (laughs) Um, mate, what's your rating? Oh, you got it out of ten. Yeah, you know what? I may have been a bit harsh here. I gave it a five and a half out of ten. It was certainly interesting enough, and I'm um, but I did finish it and go, "Geez, I'm glad that wasn't an eight-part series." Yeah, just simply because um, there was certainly it could have been an epic eight-part series, but it, they just when things sort of started to look Ooh. like they were really going to jump yeah. in deep, they just pulled back. And I, and I don't know whether the, the limitations on that is the fact that a lot of the, the match-fixing scandals that we are aware of haven't worked out in the favour of those who are prosecuting it. You know, you think mm. of Chris Cairns, you think of Warney, Mark yep. War, those, those big ones that have popped up, you know, I mean, they've been found not guilty. You, yeah. know, they, you know, there hasn't, the allegations haven't matched up, even though generally when there's smoke, there's fire. Yep. You, you know, so you... It's all it's all up in the air for the punters, and we'll throw a massive allegedly out for all of that. <laughs> so um, yeah, we don't get sued for all of our nothing. Um, What'd mate, you give it, mate? I had it down for six, but like any good regulators, when it comes to assessment, as us teachers know all about, I'm going to go with a five point five. Going to go know, with a five. I'm, I'm thinking it was in, it was informative, but it wasn't a head spinner. You know, cricket fans, you know, so cr- cricket tragics, they, they'll certainly want to catch it. But yeah, five five. Happy with that. All right. Fantastic. Uh, The football, mate. The Premier League. What's been happening? Big weekend of the Premier League, mate. Um... Look, it's it's been all happening. Um, the relegation battle is, you know, that that keeps firing. But um, Aston Villa, Nottingham Forest, mate, I've I've been absolutely blown away by Aston Villa's current run under Unai Emery. So Emery's come in, and in the last eight matches, Aston Villa they've hit their swagger. They've only picked up less points than both Arsenal and Man City. Yeah, so they're in top. Impressive. They're in top four form. Um, 
when it comes to Villa, Unai Emery, he had a big job at Arsenal. He was at PSG as well. Yeah, he was he was moved on by both of those teams, which are you know, in the in world football, they're big, big appointments. But he's had a lot of success at Sevilla and Villarreal, so he's had big success at sort of lower expectation mid to top four table teams, but not the big clubs like Real, Barca, Atletico in Spain. And he's come over and now he seems and appears at this time to be having a lot of success at Villa. So the pose the question, mate, do certain coaches just have their ideal level? What are your thoughts on that? Ideal level. Um, so, sorry, just to clarify by level you mean... Um, so, so are there coaches out there that you think have their ideal circumstances? So you give Unai Emery the Arsenal job or the PSG job, PSG, by all means, you're going to win the league and you're going to have plenty of money to spend on players. Managing those personalities is a different story. Going to Villa, you're the head honcho. You're the one who calls the shots because you're the big name as the manager and the players are working for you. So mm. are there certain managers, or and this could be rugby league as well, that you think, you know, you think of like a Wayne Bennett you know, is Wayne Bennett, he's an absolute master at bringing the best out of players. Yeah, well, I think certain, uh, I think that's a fair enough statement. Certain coaches do have their ideal level. Uh, sticking on the uh, Premier League, I guess David Moyes might be an example of that. He spent 10 years at Everton and yeah. um, had some really successful seasons there. I think he might have played in an FA Cup final and finished top four once and top six twice. And then obviously, uh, and, and when he arrived at Man, uh, and when he arrived at Everton, they were in relegation zone, and he basically pulled them out of that. Yeah. Then he goes off to Manchester United. Didn't know what that checkbook was in the top drawer. But he got hit in the face with a frying pan at Man United. Yeah. He went. They came on a, a tour of Australia, and his idea was, let's go down to Bondi for a walk. It's not Ever Everton, mate. Yeah. It's Man United. And next minute, there is police coming from everywhere because the crowds have just soaked into Bondi Beach because yep. Man United are there. He ended up, before he got sacked, talking about Man City, the crosstown rivals, and going, we need to be more like them. Mate, you are coaching the champions in the biggest club in the country. We need to be more like them. He was so out of his depth at Man United. Yeah, and you know he he certainly was out of the, out of his depth. So, and he and he's had varying levels of success because he was only at United for a season. Uh, I'm pretty didn't sure didn't even make it through a season. Did, didn't even make it through a season. He some would say he was on a hide and nothing there, but um, he's had varying levels of success since he left the Toffees. Must be ten years ago now. Yeah, but yeah, I think maybe he um, is an example of that ideal level. Yep. Um, speaking of David Moyes. Three points on the weekend. Win against Fulham. Big win for them. Yep. Uh, Brentford, Newcastle. So a comfortable win for Newcastle. They continue a good run of form. Um, you know, leading on from their victory over Man United last week. Uh, Clearly gotten over that um, third kid incident as well last week as well. Didn't oh, derail their season. But no, we won't get back into that. Yeah, we won't well, get back into that. that. The third kids. Um, Leicester versus Bournemouth. So more points lost for managerless Leicester since they removed Brendan Rodgers. However, rumours are swirling around that Jesse Marsh 
will be looking to uh, bring his Ted Lasso touch to the King Power and attempt to repeat his heroics from Leeds last year. So there's talk around that Jesse Marsh is going to get the gig at Leicester, hopefully uh, trying to save them from relegation. I mean, with a squad they've got, I think anyone could do that sort of job. They should be playing better than what they are. Uh, Spurs and Brighton, mate. So Spurs got the win in somewhat controversial circumstances. The handball rule, just nobody knows what it is anymore it's it's such a debacle mate we think we've got problems in rugby league with with the sort of black and white rulings that we get that uh that handball so a deflected goal was given no goal because the player holding his arm down by his torso collected his arm which i i mean you, you just absolutely lost me yeah no but um as a toffee fan mate the big news, Frank the Tank, he's returned to Chelsea. Oh, well. What, what are your thoughts about that as, a, as an Everton fan, mate? Seeing Frank back where he belongs at Chelsea, but in, a, on a, in an interim basis. So he's only there till the end of the year. Oh, well, I think you probably do relatively well there on a short-term basis. Uh, he did come in at uh, Everton. My old man, he's, a, he's, he's been a toffee, followed it all his life. And um, he, he, he said, I'm always going to have a soft, soft, soft spot for him because he got us out of relegation last yeah. year. He got us over the line. Um, so I, I think he'll probably do quite well for the rest of the, the year. But as far as uh, his long-term manager prospects, it um, I remember speaking to you earlier this year about um, Wayne Rooney and what he's doing and the choices that he's making where he's managing. And So he's over in the MLS. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And... Um, you were talking about that's probably a better path for him because um, of where he's at at that particular stage. Yeah, I yeah. mean, he got the Chelsea job and anybody would say it was... He got the Chelsea job at the wrong time Yeah, because it was just too green. Yeah. But yeah. anyway, so talking about Frank and saying that he lost. He lost his first game. Yeah. <laughs> so he's come back and he's fallen straight back in and... Um, and Wolves, it was an absolute worldie off the edge of the box. Um, you know, a really, really good finish. And, I mean, Nunez, Mateus Nunez, he, I mean, he just, he hit it. He hit it like nothing else. But, um, so the Frank the Tank Lampard memes will have to be put on ice. I mean, we'll have to put those on ice for another week until uh, Chelsea's hurt can be ceased at some stage. But... Is I mean, he a good appointment, though, for the rest of the... I think, the the yeah, for the rest of the year, you, you're yeah. really just trying to get the club, just galvanise a bit of a squad um, yeah. and get the club to just try and put a couple of performances in. Aubameyang was back in the squad. You know, he's been missing under Graham Potter. So, I mean, yeah. there, there might be a bit of a, an open door there for players where they go, oh, look, I might get a run here. So it'll lift the intensity at training and, and give him more options. Um However, when you've got a, a, a squad with Koulibaly, Sterling Havertz, Aubameyang, Jao Felix, and, you, and you're struggling like they are, that, I mean, there's, there's some fundamental problems there. Um, Southampton, Man City. So City were too strong in the end. Um, Erling Haaland with a, an absolute cracking finish uh, for his third or for the, for the team's third. However, the tide was turned on a, on a controversial pullback from Erling Haaland, he scored the, the first goal with a header, and it was I was very very surprised that they didn't go back and have a look at that one. Um, after but after they'd got that goal, Grealish started to run riot, and um, yeah, I mean City ended up putting the game away. Gineppo with a good run uh, to 
for Southampton and, and they got one back. But, uh, yeah, the penalty at the end sealed it for City. So they, they keep rolling on and keep snapping at Arsenal's heels. Yeah, they're not going away, are they? No. Um, and the big match for us, mate, our teams, mate, Man United versus versus Everton, so the battle of the boys' teams. Um, yeah, well, the, the, the pressure is certainly mounting on the bottom six or seven teams now. United, superior team, um, superior performance. Uh, Everton are a much better football team, though, I must say, than what we were seeing earlier in the year. Yeah. Gosh, they're far better organised. Unfortunately, though, it's getting to the point of the year where a really good performance against um, United, just the fan walks away going, yeah, but we didn't get any points out yeah, of that. we didn't get any points. Look, I would say that if Everton can... For somehow get Dominic Calvert-Lewin to play football again. Oh, what's he played six six times? If they can get him to play football months? again, they will win matches and they'll they'll be fine. But I mean, yeah, I, I'm I wouldn't be too overly concerned as an Everton fan at the moment. Um, United play well. I was really impressed with Marcel Sabitzer. Again, he's playing in a more advanced role. Um, Bruno Fernandez is playing deeper. Similar to where Ericsson would be playing, which is it's the only bizarre thing with that is Ericsson's just come back from injury. So it's basically yeah. they've found this little um, little switch of position in the midfield and then Ericsson looks like he's ready to be reintroduced um, to the starting lineup uh, pretty soon once he gets a, f- a few minutes under his belt. But, um, you know, McTominay, he, he started the scoring and he, he did for us what Vout Veghorst has just failed to do. I mean, he works his socks off, but McDominay, you know, who plays in the deep-lying midfield role, scored a number nine's goal. And that's what Manchester United are in dire need of, a number nine who can score goals. But um, the pressure's really mounting on the bottom six or seven teams now. Mm. I think we're getting to that stage and Everton's one of those teams. Um, you know... United are a far superior team when you look at it on paper, but you know, for Everton, any game now where they don't get points, it's really going to hurt. So, I'm the question is: it championship time for the Toffees? I don't think so. What do you think? Um, I hope not. Brand new stadium on the way. Um, be a shame to be playing in the championship out hey, of it. Yeah, that'd be rough. But. I've been waiting all season for something to click a run of games uh, and it just hasn't happened. Struggling to score goals, as you mentioned. Dominic Calvin-Lewin not playing at all. Yeah. Very right. little has. And selling Richarlison in the off-season. Yep. Yeah. Um, that's stung, but it's um, it's been a little bit of a problem for a couple of years now. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I hope not, but I don't know. Let's fire things up, mate. Yeah. Hall of Fame. Hall of Fame. Hall of Fame. We love a Hall of Fame here at the Sports Attention. Don't we? Mate, um, the Premier League has put out the Hall of Fame voting uh, yep. for fans to get amongst. Um, I'm going to roll out the list, mate, and then we're going to pick our three yep. that we feel as though should go into the Hall of Fame. So we've got Tony Adams, Sol Campbell, Michael Carrick, Petr Cech, Andrew Cole, Ashley Cole, Jermaine Defoe, Les Ferdinand. Rio Ferdinand, Robbie Fowler, Gary Neville, Michael Owen, John Terry, Yaya Torre, and Nemanja Vidic. They are the, the players who have been put up for voting. Who's your three, mate? Uh, mate, well, I started with uh, Robbie Fowler. 
Robbie. Robbie. One uh, of the greatest goal celebrations ever. Liverpool great. Uh, scored over 100 goals. Won uh, FA Cup. Um, uh, Football League Cup. Uh, he um, And obviously the big thing for him was he was a North Queensland Fury great. Oh, so they're now defunct. <laughs> so, you know, um, I, I guess as... Um, uh, a young soccer player going back uh, some years now. He was one of the big names that you heard yep. of. And um, he was um, a, a bit of an excitement machine as well. I went so with, so before you, we drift off Robbie Fowler, I said the greatest celebration of all time. Have you seen that celebration? So let me paint the picture for you. So yes, Ro- yes. Robbie, Robbie Fowler was heading into a Merseyside derby for, from, from memory. This is me just shooting from the hip here. And he was, there was a lot of accusations around his misuse or just even use of illicit substances at the time. They didn't want to bring it up for him. But. So, so anyway, he scored the goal and then he's proceeded to run and crawl down the line of the box and pretend to snort it as he was crawling down. It, it is one of the funniest goal celebrations but it was basically a middle finger to the media for claiming that he's you know he's got a drug problem so it's it's a ripper if you get get on youtube and and see see um sort of search it up listeners it's it's an absolute ripper to watch uh, so robbie fowler mate who else you got i went john terry john terry can't agree yep can't agree no absolute blood you're gonna get me all money but go ahead sorry mate i'm i'm looking to fire you up just purely on stats so uh, I, are you trying to have a crack at me here? Is this why you picked John Terry? Yeah, um, look, go, go, please. So the Premier League won it five times, FA Cup five times. Yep. Champions League. <laughs> so what do you got for me, mate? Um, I mean, he's the best racist the Premier League's ever had. I mean, I'd have to say that. He's, you know, I can't get on. John Terry, he's an absolute muppet. Yeah. Um, yes, he's won a lot. I can't get by the fact that even though he was suspended from the Champions League final, he got in full kit for the presentation. Shin pads and all. What an absolute wanker. He's got in full kit for the tra- to lift the trophy even though he didn't play and didn't win the Champions League final. He's obviously been found guilty of his, his racism accusations on Anton Ferdinand. I mean, that... That was where he was charged by the FA, so there's no allegedly there. Apparently he was found guilty, he did it. Um, But some of the highlights for for me of John Terry um, would have to be Abu Dhabi. So not Abu Dhabi, the the capital or the the city within the United Arab Emirates, the actual player Abu Dhabi, kicking his head off. That was nice. (laughs) Him slipping in the 08 Champions League final. Which he, another thing against him, he changed the penalty lineup so he was actually the last one to take a penalty so he could hit the winner. What an absolute knob. <laughs> so you, you can see I'm on one with John Terry. I think he's an absolute knob. So, and finally, he shagged his teammate's wife. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can't go into the, I mean, this, I know a lot of this is, is non match playing related, but, you know, you can't have someone like that in the Hall of Fame, in my opinion. Yeah, well, for, for off field antics, um, 
a lot of what you just described there, not on from a, a legal <laughs> or a moral point of view, but his on-field resume. He's a, he could play. He could play. But so I mean, you can't imagine him getting voted in? Uh, he wouldn't have my vote. I'll, get, I'll give him that much. Um, mate, I've got my, my three. I've got... Um, and the thing with me with Hall of Fames is I think we... And I, I know I mentioned it with uh, previously with the, with the Rugby League. I think we go too soon with a lot of the players. And so my list is representative of that. I've got Tony Adams. Uh, Andrew Cole and Les Ferdinand because I think the time will come for the others you know I just think it's probably not quite their time um, you know I tossed up between Robbie Fowler and Les Ferdinand and I think that maybe that was a really really close one but I think the fact that Les Ferdinand played at Tottenham and he played at Newcastle but was able. I mean, if you put the two stats up together between Les Ferdinand and Robbie Fowler, they are pretty close. Like there's there's not much. I think there's only two or three goals in them, in the difference. But also too is the fact that Les Ferdinand played a lot before the Premier League, so he was basically Robbie Fowler hit the scene as the explosion of the Premier League occurred. So he sort of got that that boost. Whereas Les Ferdinand was. You know, pretty much he had his big seasons at the early part of the Premier League. So I think you wouldn't say that Robbie Fowler won't go in there down the track, but I think it's, you know, this time it's Les Ferdinand's time. Yeah, all right. Um, so uh, Tony Adams? Tony Adams. Andrew Cole? Andrew Cole, Les Ferdinand. Tony Adams from Romford, mate. Romford. From Romford. I think they referred to him as the Romford Pele. I mean, Romford. he is a, he's a central defender and he's hard. But um, I actually lived uh, for a brief couple of months out at Romford. It's it's pretty rough out there in Essex. They've got a good uh, good greyhound track though. Good greyhound. The, Ro- track. the Romy dogs. Okay, so let's jump into the integrity report. Oh mate, mate. let's do it. <laughs> So what have you got for the integrity this week? We've got integrity issues this week, mate. We do. We, we do. do. And uh, Rugby League finally hasn't let us down. <laughs> Absolutely. They've come to the floor. Manly great Brett Stewart has been arrested in possession of cocaine. So if I go through and I'll read a statement. This has come through from the ABC. Retired NRL star Brett Stewart has been charged with possession of cocaine after being stopped by police on the northern beaches. Uh, New South Wales police officers, officers patrolling the Manly area just before 7pm on Friday the 10th of March spoke to the 38-year-old Stuart before searching him. During the search, they allegedly located cocaine. He was charged with possession of a prohibited drug. Um, it goes into highlight Mr Stuart's career, but it also does outline that Brett Stewart is currently listed as a mentor and positional coach on the Manly Sea Eagles website. So he is still an active member of the coaching staff at Manly. Um, you know, he was one of the highest played players in the league at one stage, Brett Stewart. A superstar. He's been working in coaching now, so he's been around rugby league still. You know, it's obviously a disappointing incident for Brett, and he, but is it a... You know, we look at the examples of players appearing to struggle making the transition from elite sports into retired life. 
And is this an example of that or is the use of illicit drugs around sport so prominent that we're, we're just completely blind to it? What's your thoughts, mate? Yeah, I tend to think it's probably the latter. I tend to think the use of illicit drugs around professional athletes is probably more, um, I suppose, active than we're aware of. Yep. He's, um, for, for as far as the transition is concerned, Brett Stewart um, has been out of the game for five or six years now, but I think he's been back in coaching for a significant period of time now, at yeah. least a few years now since Desi took over. Uh, so, um, look, I think it's the latter. I think it's probably just culturally ingrained would it, in... Would it have been okay? So let's let's caveat this. Would it have been okay if he'd just bought a house and he was celebrating buying that house? No. <laughs> I mean, was that, was that the way to go? I was celebrating a house and I just happened to have this in my pocket just because there wasn't a cubicle around to go in with me, mate. <laughs> Well, I was reading about this on um, the, uh, the the article, an article on this on Facebook the other day, and I was screening down and having a look at a few of the comments on there, and somebody said, made the statement, "He's a grown man; he can do whatever he wants." <laughs> no, you can't. No, you actually, can't. No, no. Actually, it's actually against the law. It's actually I, illegal. Yeah, then you can't do I mean, that. As, and as a legal studies teacher, mate, you you're very clear on this. You you would you'd be all over this. Yeah, I just I was a little bit shocked at some of the um. Uh, commentary around it, it's, oh, it's not a big deal. It's you know he's just. I got I got some rippers, mate. I've actually made. I you know, I I do the research. I do the research, punters. So um, Dean Ritchie, who writes for the Telegraph, he put it up on his Twitter feed, and we had some comments from the from those interested in the in the article. Um, Tracy G. Why is it footy players are always are with just an R as well? Yep are always caught when every third person is on it. And it got me thinking, Potty. The concerning thing here is that if we're using Tracy's statistics, if my three-year-old walks through the door, he's going to be on cocaine. <laughs> if my three-year-old walks into the studio now, he's, he's going to be on coke. Tracy, I don't know if that's how it works. Jay, how is this news? He was always good at finding the line. That's, well, that's, a, that's a good one. I'll that's pay a, that one. Yeah, we've got to pay that one. Um, so as you said, so this must be uh, Simon Corbett, mate. So he's a grown man. He can do whatever the hell he wants. Well, no, you can't. No, sorry. Sorry, Brett. However, this, sorry, one, this one really, really got me thinking. And I'm, I, you know, I'm someone who thinks outside of the square. So this, you know, I had to look into this one. Jace. Jace has said, maybe if beers were not $12 each. So, so I did a bit of <laughs> Hang math. Hang on. Hang on. <laughs> Jace is suggesting that the price of beers is what's led Brett Stewart down to make I, this decision. I mean, I completely believe that that is the suggestion he's yeah, made. So okay. I, I had to look into it because I, I was just as taken back as you are. With a schooner of beer weighing it at 8 to 12 ounces, let's go conservative with the 8. I think Jace might be a little surprised with the facts behind his claims. <laughs> In a crack, characteristics of cocaine supply and demand in Sydney and Melbourne report commissioned by the National Drug Strategy and published by the Australian Institute of Criminology. Cocaine, cocaine has a mean average current street value of $267 per gram. 
So, Jace, to purchase a schooner of cocaine, it would cost $60,554. So your excuse just does not add up, mate. <laughs> no, Jace, sorry, mate. The fact that it is also legal, provided that you are 18 years of age, the smarter money is going to be on the schooner of beer, Jace. I'm telling you. Oh, Jace. What do you think, mate? Mate, I think Jace has just been um, schooled by... You, you gotta you gotta look at things logically, mate. And sometimes logic is missing in society. So look, I hope we've done you all a bit of a favour here today. I've got to say, a few of those arguments were rather weak, though. <laughs> Any anyone with a smartphone, mate. Um, so Brett, yeah, obviously, um, yeah. The the hope is that um, yeah, obviously he can he can get whatever help he, he requires at this point in time but it is a bit of a concern having someone so close to a professional organisation like that um, and being caught in such a situation in the a serious look at it but uh, yeah so that's the integrity report for this week mate nailed that one absolutely <laughs> What about other sports? Could we go past the Masters? We couldn't, mate. We couldn't. Um, I'm going to start with the negative on the Masters, mate. I strapped myself in for a big Saturday. And I got nothing. You got play, play suspended. Play oh, suspended on Saturday. It was a bit of a bludger, but you obviously mentioned it earlier. They had the, uh, the trees falling. Uh, yeah, so it was pretty dangerous conditions out there. So play was suspended. And um, yeah, obviously they had to they had to pick up the slack on the Sunday because it was a big day of golf and the final final day for the for the players. It certainly was. And uh, who are you, who are your standouts besides obviously Johnny Johnny Rumbo? Well, we both suggested, and John Rahm was part of my multi, which we'll get into. Um, we both suggested that John Rahm was probably the favourite. I was pretty impressed with Brooks Kepka. I, th- I thought he, you know, hung in there, and especially being a live guy coming in without the the loading of pl- of match play that that the other players would have. Um, but I can't go past Phil Mickelson, mate. Oh, big Phil, Philly. filthy Phil, rocking up, and he almost had the live boys rocking on the 18th. He was, you know, I was absolutely cheering Phil in. However, I couldn't. What? Absolutely, I couldn't go past, and you know, I. I'm always all over the peanuts on social media, mate. See Woo Kim's choice of outfit. So he's come in with the the PGA Tour strip, you know. So he's obviously I've 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 done a bit of digging, and apparently he's got a kit deal. So his sponsorship deal is with the PGA Tour. So this has been framed as See Woo Kim has turned up wearing a PGA shirt because he's sticking it to Phil. Oh. You know, so he's turned up and he's wearing the, the PGA-labelled shirt because he's playing and he was partnered to play with Phil Mickelson. So they've... Oh, and as you can imagine, all the knob-ends on Twitter are, oh, how good's this? Classic banter. See Woo Kim, he's absolutely sticking it to Phil. What an absolute bunch of palookas. He wasn't sticking it. To Phil, he was wearing the licensed gear that he has to wear because he's got a sponsorship deal with him. So let's give Siwoo Kim a bit of a miss on this. However, 
let's dive into it. Brooks Kepka and Phil Mickelson both walk home with 1.5 million each. They head back to the beach with their guaranteed millions. Kim takes his 127,000, a pat on the back from a few palookas on social media, and he'll look forward to trying to make the cut at the next major. And if he doesn't, he'll get nothing. No cash. No cash. However, everybody's Yahoo and go, oh, classic banter, how good's this? They're really giving it to Phil, this, that, and the other. What a legend. You know what, guys? You know what a legend is where I come from? A legend is the type of bloke who look like they're enjoying a good time. Phil Mickelson. Legends get off the banana lounge in Dubai and almost cause a boil over in the biggest competition of the year, like Phil Mickelson did. That's a legend. Not a bloke who wears a PGA Tour shirt to try and stick it to somebody else who's earning way more money than they are. So Couldn't agree more. To you palookas on social media who are trying to kick live... You know where I stand on this, mate. They should have come and broke bread years ago. It should have been done. Yeah. It should have been done. And we've spoken about it before. We think that's where it'll end up. But yeah, it's it's not where we're at at this stage. Cracking bands. Oh. <laughs> but anyway, Johnny Ra, mate, well deserved. Um, the suspension wasn't ideal for those watching. But, um, you know, I don't think anyone could argue that Ram was, wasn't, was not the best player on the course. No, Johnny Rahm, very good. He'd been in epic form coming in. Just about anyone you um, speak to, listen to, was talking about Johnny Rahm coming in. And that's a fair bit of pressure, so it's a, so it's an epic performance from him. Aussies looked at stages like they might be able to do something special. But yeah, really, the mullet multi was no good. The mullet multi no was no good. But really, it it was um, it came down to Johnny Rahm and, and Brooks Kepka on the last day. And um, Brooks saved his... Worst till last, unfortunately. Yeah, and, it was a uh, rough round. It was a rough round, but still a very entertaining Masters, as it always is. Yeah. Mate, um, the fights, mate. UFC 288, I sent you the homework. How'd you go? Did I did you my submit? homework over the weekend. I did my homework over Fantastic. the weekend. Fantastic. What do you think, mate? Yeah, I found it, I found it really interesting. Um, I found... Um, so I, I focused on uh, uh, two fights over the weekend. Um so I looked at, um, is it Rossas and Rosas, Rodriguez? Yeah. Raul Rosas Jr. versus Rodriguez. And yeah. you were telling me he's 18 years old? 18, yep. So um, he started like he was 18 years old. He started yeah. absolutely on fire and he just went in there and was all over Rod- Rodriguez to start with. And yeah, he come I, out of the gate. That was expected, was it? Um, yeah, because he, he's pretty fast. Like yeah. he comes out and he's, um, and I mean, he, talk about telegraphing takedowns. Yeah. I mean, diving from one half, one side of the octagon at the ankles on the other side is probably telegraphing a bit. But um, yeah, he, I mean, his idea was come out in that first round, and he did it. Yeah. He got the back. He got him in some pretty troubling positions. But um, yeah, the problems really came after that because Rodriguez just sort of, you know, he just rode out the position. He, he defended really well. So it was a bit of a, a, a novice fan. That, that's what it looked like to me. It looked like experience got him over the line in the end. He just was patient. He just, Rodriguez just held back. And eventually by the, um, the end of the third round, it was just... Well, Rodriguez just took over. He, yeah. he was, his grappling was, at when he got 
top position was so much smoother and better than Rosas Jr. It was it was effortless for him. He just basically and and for anybody who was watching that fight who who enjoys rugby league, if they want to know why rugby league teams have wrestling coaches, watch that fight. Yep. Because Rodriguez was just riding him like you know, he was just all over him. He was just riding him like a tame horse. He was just basically moving to positions where he could maintain top control. Rosas Jr. was burning out all of his energy, and he just was just staying there nice and calm. So if you're in the ruck or whatnot playing rugby league, and you can control the person below where they're trying to fight to get up, and you're just basically going, well, I'm not expending any energy here, and I'm just using technique to hold you in a certain position. I mean... It's so much more beneficial. And that was a really, really good example of it. Hmm. He just wrote it out and he just chipped away. Throwing punches, frustrated Rosas Jr. And he looked like, when he was frustrated, an 18-year-old fighter. Yeah. Um, the big thing with that one, mate... Will he come back stronger from that one? I, I hope so. I think so. I think so, yeah. You definitely learn... You, you know, you're going to learn from your losses. Um, however... It does raise some questions about 18 years old coming into the UFC. Like, there's there's no bigger fire than the UFC. Yeah. And, you know, other organisations such as the PFL, they've got a f- the fight league where you can win a million dollars. You know, so you go and sign with the PFL rather than going to the UFC and you can get that experience where you're fighting for a million dollars. Number one, if you win it, you're coming in with a million dollars in your back pocket. So it's going to make life a bit easier as you're trying to build yourself up in the UFC because you've got money behind you. Yeah. But it's also, too, it's going to give you valuable fights at a higher level before you then get into the UFC. So yeah. I think, um, you know, for Rosas Jr., he'll, he'll keep going. And, um, I mean, being 18 years old, he's, he's got a lot to look forward to. But for those who are fighting and looking at where their path is going to lead them, I mean, it probably does open your eyes and you go, ah, oh, maybe there might be some some other options out there, whether it be the PFL, Bellator, other other organisations, which aren't at the elite level of the UFC, but they're going to give you that that time in the ring or that time in the octagon that's going to going to prepare you for for the UFC. Yeah. Um, and the other fight I watched was the um, uh, main event. So uh, that was a ripper. Yep. So was it what what you expected, mate? It was not. Not really what I expected. I thought it was it was a dangerous... If I was to expect that, I would have expected it to be too dangerous for Izzy or, or a real risk for Izzy. Not too dangerous because he showed you know, what he's capable of. Um, I thought Pereira would push the pace and he would cause him problems, but essentially Izzy used that to his advantage because with his counters against the cage that's what knocked him out yep. so I mean I was I was so impressed that was you know he was chipping away at that front leg Izzy wasn't liking it that was that was uh, reminiscent of the first fight but you know that that finish was absolutely beautiful just hit him with the right and then a lot of people who don't watch fighting much wouldn't understand the second strike that hit him behind the ear yeah that one shut you out yeah. That one puts you out cold, and as you saw, he, he, he went down like a sack of spuds. Yeah, so it was a very different fight than the first one, obviously. And um, just watching it, it sort of seemed to me like um, uh, Pereira. Yep. He was um, tactically just like 
moving his pieces around the chessboard. Yeah. Like he was really going at that uh, lower leg. So they're both very, very high-level kickboxers. Yeah. Both the guys. So that's yeah. their background. So it, it was a chess match. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, and I watched the replay of the first fight uh, after I watched this one, and it's sort of like I'm sure there were subtle differences to somebody who uh, is a big fight fan, but it sort of looked like that were it was heading down a similar path, and obviously the result yeah. was different. But I, I sort of thought watching it that. I, I thought that um, Pereira was slowly pulling him apart, and the result was going to well, be the same. Like, so it, it looked yeah. like the 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 uh, momentum was shifting in his way, but you know, is he after it? Is it just him, you know, playing for the counter? He goes, no, that was the trap. You know, I wanted him to come in, and I wanted to hit him with that right as a as a counter. I, I played, you know, chicken with him. I I tried to lure him in, so. I mean, an interesting game plan, especially when you've got someone like uh, Poitain who's, who's hitting you with those heavy hands as he's coming in. But um, it worked out on the night for Izzy. Will there be a third? No, there won't be a third. I think they're done. Done and dusted. Uh, another fight that I loved, mate, I don't know if you saw that, um, was Adrian Yanez versus Rob Font. That was an absolute ripper. Those boys threw down. Um, there was no backward steps. Font, was he's from the New England cartel, so he's, he's got good boxing. And, mate, it was a great performance. And then, obviously, uh, Jorge Masvidal calling time on his career after his loss to Gilbert Burns. He made up a part of my multi, but... Um, yeah, it's uh, yeah. I, I think it's time for him to go. Like, if you if you feel as though I wasn't until later in the week after I'd put my multi on, unfortunately, yeah. <laughs> I'd um, I'd heard comments that George was talking about. Look, if I don't win this fight, I'm going to retire. And in fighting, that's oh, I mean that's a that's scary. You know, yeah. if if you've got a fighter saying if I don't win this fight, I'm looking at retirement. That's yeah, I, I mean, that's that's alarm bells are ringing with that. So, mate, moving on. The Maltese. Oh, mate. Give us your multi, mate. How'd you go? Well, I, I tried to go the conservative option. And if you told me Seas were going to win 50 to 12, I would have thought, well, I'm spending me money right now. Two from three. I had um, uh, Latrell to score. Yeah, you got and, three. And he got three. <laughs> I should have been on that. I had Seas to win uh, 12 plus, and that happened. And I have I had Tane Mill to score, who was taking the spot of Alex Johnson. I thought Cody Walker thought Cody Walker's going to have a field day, and Tane Mill is going to pick himself up at least one try. And I don't know that he had one run of the ball. He got it didn't even look like he was going to score a try. Stitched up. So that was um. So two out of three. Two out of three. But the great uh, meatloaf had something about that, didn't he? In one of his words, think... two out of three ain't bad. Well, two out of three ain't bad, but it doesn't pay. So two out of two three, out of is, three bad. is bad. Two out of three is bad. Mate, I've um, outdone you again, mate. One out of three. Um, Johnny Rahm, which was a big one. Uh, I got that, but uh, I had uh, Jorge Masvidal to uh, win via TKO or KO. Um, unfortunately, that did not come up because he lost by a decision. However, I was already done on the Saturday because I had I thought, oh, well, I... They were my two main ones, Ram into Masvidal. Then I thought, oh, I'll chuck a, chuck a bit of Cowboys on there. They're paying $1.13 or something. And I got done by the Cowboys. Oh. The Cowboys. So I was, I was done on the Saturday. So they're on the shit list for the rest of the year now. Mate, I'd thrown my hands up in the air. I was, and, um, yeah, I would have been very, very upset had Jorge Masvidal as one by KOTKO. Because the thing is, I went all in. It was paying over 1000 
So uh, this week I've I've had a good hard look at myself, and I've you know I'm going to be a bit more conservative. I'm going for a collect this week. That is that is my tactic, going for a collect. Well, just get on the Cowboys. Gamble responsibly, ladies Gamble and gentlemen. Respons- and geez, those ads, they've been brutal, haven't they? They've been very, very assertive, yeah. those those ads on, on TV. Are they the ones, um, what else could you think about what yeah. you could have bought? Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's pretty much like saying it's it's a counselling session yeah. in, in, a black, in a black and white screen. It's basically saying, hey, have a good hard look at yourself and if you spend money on gambling, you're an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Sign us up. But he's a special. He's a, yeah, he's a special. Ah, uh, mate, the big one, the penis of the week. Penis of the week. Uh, what have you got for us, mate? <sighs> penis of the week. Oh, I couldn't split them this week, mate. I couldn't split them. So I've got two that I just cannot go past. Is that okay? I, go I, look, for I run it, through. It's my co-host. I, I, okay, so the first one I've got. So the bloke who drove past me on Friday, Thursday, sorry, with a wing on his Toyota Camry. Mate, a wing on his Toyota Camry. You do not need DRS to get to work on time. You do not need a drag reduction system on your car to get to work driving down a bypass. So anybody who has a wing or a spoiler on a car that isn't registered to race, you're a penis. That (laughs) That is my first penis of the week. The second one, this and this one had to come in late, is Optus Sport. Optus Sport, you're a penis, because if I have to slip a VPN on to access Premier League highlights on the BBC because your app is showing error messages, you're not holding your end of the relationship up. We have a commercial relationship, and you're not you're not doing your job. I pay a subscription, and you provide licensed content. So it's as simple as that. Because you couldn't do that. You're the penis of the week off the sport. <laughs> They're my two penises, mate. I couldn't see. It. I couldn't split them. What well, do you got, mate? Mate, I'm going to chuck something, something a little bit different at us. Um, my big issue of the week, and it's not going to seem like a big issue, but it, it got me thinking. Mate, if it's your biggest issue of the week, it is the biggest issue. Easter yesterday, down the beach with the family. Let, let's, Great day. Oh, what a day! It's like said to said to my wife. Let's go up on the headland. Let's get some chips. Fish. Oh, fish and chips on the headland, mate. It doesn't beat that on Easter. And we just said, you know what? Let's just get chips. I went in. I said, get a large serving of chips and gravy. Over $20. For chips? For chips. Mate, there was dead set three potatoes in it. It was... I couldn't believe it. It wasn't enough to feed the entire family. I was that old bloke who was sitting there going, back in my day. Yeah, absolutely. Like, look... I'm happy to pay for high quality food, but I'm talking chips here. Yeah. I mean, what sort of chicken salt was on it? For 20 bucks. Was Brett Stewart, th- Brett Stewart throwing the chicken oh, salt? Man. I mean, <laughs> oh, man. Sorry, Brett that, Stewart, that, I blast you in here. That, that would have been a party. Um, <laughs> look, if you're paying 20 bucks for chips, you're expecting a freshly baked loaf of white bread yeah, and, tomato, and tomato sauce loaded in butter. Chip sandwich. And I'm certainly not expecting the microwave to go off to let me know the gravy's ready, am I? Like, no, not at all. Oh, <laughs> oh this, this gets worse. Fish and chip shops next week. My penis of the week. Fish and chip shops who microwave their gravy. You are the penis of the week. <laughs> so 
chips. If you're charging 20 bucks for chips, you're a penis. <laughs> if you drive a Toyota Camry and you've got a wing on it, you're a penis. And Optus Sports, pull your heads in, you penis. <laughs> Potty, we've done it again. Nailed mate. it again, mate. We've nailed it again. Um, I hope you guys have not only enjoyed this podcast, but you've enjoyed the, uh, the new segment tracks that we've introduced to this podcast as I, as i've always said we're trying to get better um you know we're we're new to the podcast game and uh if you've got any feedback critical or uh common commentary is that a word complimentary complimentary that is the word that i'm looking for <laughs> it is late um if you've got any uh feedback for us Please uh, shout it out our way. Um, is that it? We're tied up. Get us around. Get around us on the socials, guys. Hope Absolutely. you enjoyed your Easter at Sports Detention, guys. That's where you will find us. And uh, for any of our punters living out in Forbes, we say good night and farewell. <laughs>